And we are back, finally. It's been too long, Will. It's been way too long. Like, the thing is, we've been messing around. We've been uh, getting ready. We've been fixing things up, tightening screws, mm -hmm. getting better. That's the goal here. Yeah, hopefully the audience can enjoy, can appreciate it. It's trial and error, you know? You can't, you don't know what's right until you know what's wrong, Will. That's the thing, okay? So I want to kick it off because it wouldn't be a Lou Later show without a Galaxy Fold update. It's got to happen. And people, they, you had the exact same story up. You had it right there. And this was supposed to be my suggestion. Yeah, Anyhow, I, I was reading on it too. Willie Do knows what I want to talk about, what I have to talk about. Does it become Galaxy Fold Central? Because, well, I mean, this turned into a whole saga. And the saga continues Samsung is still trying to fix the Galaxy Fold, and it asks if people want to keep the pre-orders. So I had a lot of people hit me up in the inbox. I'm sure you probably got emails as well. Once again, that's will at lulater.com. And people were saying, look, Lou, I got this email from Samsung asking me if I want to keep my pre-order, and if not, saying that they were going to cancel it. And so here's the, here's the letter directly from Samsung. Thank you for your patience in waiting for the launch and shipment of your pre-ordered Galaxy Fold. As promised in our email to you on April 22nd, we're writing with an update on your order's anticipated ship date. As we mentioned in our last update, many reviewers shared with us vast potential they saw, blah, blah, blah. We understand you're excited. And here's the important part. You may cancel your order at samsung.com at any time before it has shipped. If we do not hear from you, and we have not shipped by May 31st, your order will be canceled automatically. So basically, Samsung reaches out to customers, potential customers, pre-order people, and says, hey, do you still want that Galaxy Fold? After you saw, after you saw everything go down, you still want to keep that pre-order in there? That was a question. Now, at first glance, I was like, okay, so... Here's what's interesting about this. Uh, maybe Samsung is, is using this to kind of uh, figure out if the, what the interest level still is. Maybe because they've committed to making changes, they want to know what kind of volume they're going to need to produce. But then I heard something else, which was that maybe we shouldn't read too much into this particular note because apparently there's some stipulation, possibly even a law, some sort of restriction in the United States that if you if you hook people on a pre-order, you have to deliver in a certain amount of time or offer the option for a refund. Something along these lines that I ended up reading on some separate page. Seems odd because in, in on Kickstarter, for example, I mean, things just vanish. But anyway, it sounds like they're just kind of uh, covering their bases here. And it's not so much about doing them some, some extended market research to see who still wants this thing. But instead, it might be just to, you know, to cover themselves from potentially, uh, from potentially getting criticized for not offering up this option. Because at this point, people will be wait, waiting for a long time. So I saw uh, a spokesperson. I don't think it was a CEO, but a high-up executive from Samsung was also interviewed recently and he had stated that, like, look, we are actually working on it. And he stated specifically that they are working on 
the hinge itself, the construction of the hinge and the durability of the hinge itself, and then also working on this, the size of the gap, which allows things to potentially enter into the hinge region. And when it was originally reported, he had said, yeah, things are going well. You're going to hear from us soon. But that turned into a couple of weeks in a few weeks' time, something like this. In the coming weeks, I believe, was the actual terminology. So the fold is still happening. It's still complicated. And we're still going to have to wait and see what happens. But it looks to me like Samsung is, is going to back it up. They're going to uh, reach out to potential customers. They're going to honor these pre-orders so long as people want to have them offered. Uh, but, but at the same time, people have a way out. So here's the thing. Here's where we're at now. If you're one of these people who has a pre-order out there, are you going to take up Samsung on their offer to refund you or to cancel the pre-order? Are you going to keep your pre-order in? I guess you haven't been charged yet if you pre-ordered it. But where do you stand right now? Are you confident enough to keep the pre-order? Are you going to cancel at the first opportunity? Let me know. I'm curious. I mean, I don't even know how many pre-orders in the audience here happen to be out there. But if you're one of them, then I want to know. Or maybe you were just, maybe you're a speculator. Maybe you're just out there in the world considering. I mean, you have a point of view as well. So we'll hear that also. I got another story here. Will. Just, just quickly on the topic of folding phones. It turns out Google is prototyping their very own foldable display smartphone. This was on mobile syrup that I read this. And because, you know, Google I.O. just happened and Google has detailed Android Q, the next version. And in an interview with CNET ahead of the start of I.O., Pixel Chief Mario... Quiros revealed Google's interest in foldable smartphones isn't limited to software support. He says, we're definitely prototyping the technology. We've been doing it for a long time. But then he critically added, I don't think there's a clear use case yet. Oh, that's what you just highlighted. See, we're thinking same spot. While Google understands that foldable displays are aimed at users that want a larger screen to view content, it's still difficult to convince people they really need a foldable smartphone. He's saying the killer app is not out yet. That compelling moment in which a user or potential user looks at this thing and says, you know what, I need it. But of course, Google, the makers of Android, they're responsible in a way for the software experience or the potential software experience of any folding device that happens to run Android in the background. And so them being interested or involved is meaningful, not just from the standpoint of a potentially foldable pixel, but also what that might mean for other foldable devices and how seamless the transition is from the stock uh, single screen Android experience to the unfolded version. So it's inside of pixel software or Android software and potentially could make its way into a dedicated foldable device, but Google's in no rush. So that should tell you something about the state of the technology right now. Google themselves, no rush to the fold, foldable display situation. Staying on smartphones for a minute, uh, Apple Store customers, employees say retail locations are no longer shopper friendly. Originally reported by Bloomberg. Will, you've, you've had this experience, man. You ever try to buy anything in the Apple Store? Mm 
It's a nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Who do I pay? Uh, where there's no more cashier. Yeah, I think it's like it. It seems too modern. It's too much. Like I, I don't know what's going on. I walk in there. I want to ask for help, but everyone is just walking around. It's a fancy to town. So, um, of course, Apple. They they hired what was her name? Angela Ehrenhartz. Is that how you say it? Ehrenhartz. Ehrenhartz. Yeah. Anyway, she came from Burberry. She came from the fashion industry. And she wanted to change the retail store experience at Apple. She wanted to turn the stores into town squares. You may remember when she was hired, the keynote. They used that terminology on stage. Town squares. Where shoppers could hang out and, in industry parlance, spend time with the brand. Apple. You know, just spend time with the brand. I know Jack likes to do that. He likes to go there and spend time with the brand. <laughs> Just what a thing to say, spend time with the brand. What are we, what are we? Will, I'll be back later. I got to go. I got to go spend time with the, with the brand. It's my favorite brand. So I'm going to go spend time with them. You're like, wait, do you need to buy anything? I'm like, nah, Just spend time with the brand. It's like, Lou, what are you talking about? You got things to do. We got tasks. You got people in your life and you're spending time with the brand. Anyway, I'm obviously making fun of it. It's, it's not what they mean. They mean like a very, a branded, uh, a welcoming place where the brand is nice and good. Uh, but anyhow, this meant that they moved things around. The genius counter was replaced with genius groves, comfortable seating under trees, tables, and roaming geniuses, which... I don't know about you, Will, but that's, I would love to spend my time with roaming geniuses. I mean, that's just another day in the office here, really, with the, with the group of us. We like to call ourselves roaming geniuses, in fact. You know, Kirk shows up to work. There's another roaming genius to add to the party here. Because you know what's better than a genius, guys, is a roaming genius. He's just a genius ready. He's on call. He's roaming. You get to have this access to this genius whenever you want. He's a roaming genius. It's better than a genius. <laughs> anyway, uh, so checkout counters, they disappeared in favor of salespeople armed with mobile devices. And uh, the goal was to make Apple stores more like luxury showrooms. Anyway, apparently it's not going so well, according to a few reports here. Both employees and customers are saying, look, it's frustrating. I don't even know. I can't buy anything. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to find the right cashier or ask for the thing that I need. And it's a whole process. I've experienced it myself. Will seems to agree with me. Kirk, have you ever tried to buy anything at the Apple store? It's, it's a whole process. I mean, they're nice people. I got to say. Uh, absolutely. Like they want to chit chat. Listen, I go in there. I chat it up. I spend time with the brand. So, and, uh, but but anyway, I, I think maybe some of the employees actually might even agree that a little bit more order inside the space could be could be useful because they're the ones that are probably having to deal with the irate customers that are like, where do I pay? Hurry up. What do I do? And they're having to say, well, you got to wait for the right person. I'm a genius. I can't help. You probably hate saying that. Any, any person would. They want to be able to help directly. And they each have these different roles inside. So they might not be able to, but... This is another one for the, for the audience. I'm sure everybody watching this, or at least a lot of people, have probably been to an Apple store. 
Uh, leave your vote down below. Are you a town square kind of person? Are you a roaming genius yourself? Or would you prefer it to be more like a typical store where there's a, there's a cash you can walk to and pay for something or ask for something? I will say in defense of Apple, because they really did something special with the retail store in general, like as far as rolling it out as widely as they did and granting access to try their products, which didn't exist previously. Now Microsoft tried to replicate it. So you got to give them some credit for that. Uh, and then the other difficult part about having a retail store for these types of products is they're very expensive. And we talked about in a previous episode how they have to deal with theft and the potential for theft. And they have to have laptops and smartphones and very expensive things. So you can't just walk in and grab one. So that's not the solution, obviously. And it's a, it's a hurdle that they have to overcome to streamline that process. But apparently the, the current situation is not doing that. So they can make improvements. Everybody can improve always. That's the rule. So we'll see what they end up doing. But I have to say, if it's, if, if it's up to me, I would prefer a more typical experience. I probably would go there more often if I wasn't chasing around roaming geniuses. That's just my opinion on the matter. Do you talk to sales staff? Do you like to chat with them or do you just go in and out? It's not a big chat with me, you know? I'm usually, I'm moving around. I got things to do. But I do appreciate the speedy, if I can have a speedy experience, I'm appreciative. If I can, that's probably number one yeah, for me. Yeah, if you have the option to. Yeah, if I can get in there, find the right person for the job, say, here's what I want, and also not be hassled too much on the additional items. Uh, do uh, Here's the Apple Care, whatever. To each their own, if you want to buy that thing. But I, t I like to get that out of the way or as early as possible. I just be like, look, I just want to get this thing. Thank you very much. And so that's the optimal experience for me. Get the thing, get on with your life. I mean, I could deal with like an Apple store vending machine if I needed some product real quick. I could just type it in, have it. Yeah, Amazon Go. I need the Amazon Go Apple store. I don't think it's going to work. Are you trying to trigger me with this guy again? Yep. The sandwich guy who doesn't know how to buy a sandwich? He buys it correctly come on now i can't believe we're going back here you know a lot of people in the comments agreed with me on the sandwich guy from the previous episode you got to look at a sandwich you got to examine a sandwich jack what's your take do you buy a sandwich like that you look at a sandwich jack looks at a sandwich. he does it's a couple seconds kirk anyway. round out the vote here you look at a sandwich <laughs> five five minutes I don't know if I do five minutes of sandwich inspection, but Willie do, you're the odd man out here. Okay, you can't. You, you got to take care, inspect your food a little bit, okay? It's a safe thing. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that's his go-to sandwich. But then in that case, you don't really even look at all. Look at that. If, if it's your go-to if it's your go-to sandwich, you just grab it and start walking. You still check. Well, it's one or the other as far as I'm concerned. And the thing is, the Amazon Go thing is so new that, like, this guy, how long has he really been going there at, with his go-to sandwich? But maybe there's more to the story. There might be. It's a commercial. What can we really do? Uh, Google Pixel 3a teardown gives better repairability score and confirms Samsung made display. So how about that? You, you might not have expected to get 
a Samsung made OLED display in a in a phone that's going to retail for three ninety nine. And once again, iFixit is back, bringing the heat, bringing the fire. They do a great job with the wonderful images. And this uh, this Pixel three A is kind of growing on me a bit now. Turns out you you can kind of repair it, better repairability score, and the display is manufactured by probably, in my opinion, the, the best display manufacturer there is for smartphones. I think most people would agree, particularly when it comes to OLED displays for smartphones. So, uh, oh, right there. Rumors pointed, what does it say? Rumors pointed to a G OLED display made by LG, but this is unmistakably a Samsung panel. So it was a bit of speculation leading up to it, but I think that's a good thing when it comes to you know most people's taste buds, at least online, when, uh, when, when the comparison is made, people seem to have a preference for Samsung OLED panels. And now you have it. If that's worthwhile, that's worth knowing. This senator wants to ban video game loot boxes aimed at kids. Will, you know about loot boxes? You ever heard of this? Yes. Yeah, so... It's a big problem, you know that. It's getting out of hand now, mm-hmm. this whole thing. Senator to, Senator to introduce Bill, banning loot boxes in video games. This could mean the end of microtransactions. So for those of you that are unaware, the, the uh, uninitiated into the microtransaction universe of video games, video games nowadays, it's not even about the buying the video game. Like, that's nothing. They They want... They want $1,000 from you mm-hmm. like before it's all said and done or 500. I don't know. Hey, what are you buying? You're buying skin. I don't get it personally. Personally. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of cosmetics and then um, also just like there's a lot of grinding. So skipping past the grinding, you can pay for that. It's uh, look, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I'm not a huge enough gamer here to to really be able to. I mean, I might not be able to dive in to the degree that that some out there would, but I do have some experience with the microtransactions, and I have to say, I it kind of kills the vibe a little bit for me. This idea that rather than just being about the progression through effort, that there is any kind of alternative means to to get extra extra anything. Because I know the argument is, well, it's not going to help you in the game if you spend some cash and get a skin or whatever. But it's still the perception of progression in exchange for some alternative external thing. Numerous countries, including Ireland, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, and United Kingdom, determined that loot boxes do not constitute gambling. We look forward to sharing with the senator the tools and information the industry already provides that keeps the control of in-game spending in parents' hands. So, regardless of what you think about the loot box microtransaction situation, you're, if you're watching this, you're probably an adult or close to an adult. And so you can make the choice for yourself. Hey, hey do I really want to get addicted to this game and, and these skins and this whole ecosystem? Do I want to spend 500 bucks on different costumes and outfits in some game? or whatever other things are up for offer. You can, you have the, the agency over your life at that point. But as a kid, are you really, you know, is it predatory? As a kid, 
let's say your friend at school, his parents gave him, gave him, gave him the credit card, gave him the blank check. And all of a sudden, his dude is all, he's all specked out. His dude in the game. He's all, he's jacked up. And all of a sudden, you got to come to school. It's like the new age version of having the cheap sneakers at school. Discrimination. You know? Is there a microtransactions meme right here? No, I'm just checking because I feel like there... You feel like there, there should be. Yeah. I feel like there should be too. And so anyway, I mean, life is like that. Let's be honest. There's always going to be people who have more and people who have less and they're going to rub it in each other's faces. And there's not much you can do about it. But gaming, for me, it used to be a thing where there was some degree of an even playing field. If you both were able at least to get the title, then it was only progress, maybe time, and I guess skill that separated. Now there's this other element. And the game manufacturers, they hide behind the fact that it doesn't change your abilities in the game. But in reality, it changes the way you interact with the game. It changes the way... I mean, most of these games are online as well, so... Your friends have to see how elevated you are on a frequent basis. And it's just one more place that you can, that this kind of discrepancy gets exposed. I'm neither for nor against it. I think there's probably a balance to it. But I see where this dude is coming from with the minors at least. Is that it's a bit tougher for them to recognize the mechanics of these games and how they might be taking advantage of them. We'll see what happens. I don't know how much progress this guy's going to make. But, uh, I mean, it's, it seems inevitable at this point. This seems to be the future of the gaming industry. We, we obviously know about Fortnite. Fortnite is free. They give you the game for free, and then they cash in later as you get all your, your fancy backpacks. And I mean, it kind of seems insane paying all kinds of money for that. But, hey, man, hey, man, to each their own. There's a lot of insane things. You know, Willie, do you might go out and buy yourself some fancy, a fancy dessert, you know, a fancy rice pudding, $27. Sounds delicious. Yeah, see, so you might do that. And I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong because ultimately you earn that 27 and you get to do what you like with it. And that's what I love. I love choice. I love people out there in the world doing what they're doing. But there are times, there are situations in which people feel hooked and maybe they have this transaction and they're kind of like, damn, I wish I, didn't ha I didn't, wish I didn't have to do it. Or they regret having done it. And that thing happens as well. So you just hope people find that balance, Will. That's what you hope, especially those minors. You hope they get those good lessons. You hope they tune in, all right? This is a family show. It's for everyone. All right, I got one more, Will. Uh, Bloomberg, 2019 iPhones can charge AirPods. The cameras will have increased zoom and auto correction feature. So this is not anything new, but when Bloomberg jumps into it, it usually means it's happening. It usually means it's real. They got the inside scoop. Mr. Mark Gurman, you know how he does it. This is his whole thing. He's, he is Mr. Apple, Apple reporting, deep diving himself. He can come on the show if he wants. You know, he's a, it's an open invite. He's going deep. He's deep diving. And that's what we appreciate. So he's looked into it, done some investigation here, and he seems pretty confident 
in some specifications, including the new processor. They're going to call the A13, which they claim went into early test production in April and mass production planned for early as early as this month. But it looks like Apple's going to take something from Samsung's book here with the reverse wireless charging. So now your AirPods will charge like your Galaxy Buds from the back of your iPhone. That's pretty cool. And the Zoom, we kind of already knew about. We saw the leaks with the extra lenses. Is it that interesting? Is it enough? I don't know. It's not that big of a deal to me, but let's just say I can, I'm pretty confident now. Maybe, maybe even a little beyond confident. Maybe I'm extremely confident. The next iPhone is going to look like this right here. No, this is actually the... the yeah, that's the R. That's the yeah. R. That's the R mock-up. But the non-R version will look like that as well. It'll just have the extra zoom lens on it. It's going to have this pancake thing on the back in the top corner. Some people hate it. Bloomberg talked about it. Mr. Mark Gurman says it's happening. So just get ready. Get used to it. That's your reality now, iPhone people. And uh, good luck to you. What do you got, Will? You got something for me? Yeah. Um, what's your take on this? Oh, man, this is rough. This is a rough one. Speaking of microtransactions, Tencent pulls blockbuster game PUBG in China and launches a patriotic alternative. You probably heard about this story. This, uh, this news broke pretty recently. PUBG has been getting a rap, man, a real rap. Uh, it got banned in Nepal. India was upset about it. People addicted. And now China themselves, they're not too happy about it. The Chinese video gaming leader has waited in vain for over a year for approval to earn money on PUBG via in-app purchases. Having given the gory South Korean-made game a socialist makeover to meet stringent government rules. In a post on the game's official account on China's Twitter-like Weibo platform, Tencent said it would end testing for PUBG. It also said it had launched an anti-terrorism-themed game for peace, for which it gained monetization approval in April. So PUBG is dead in China. It was going to happen. It didn't happen for those of you that are unfamiliar, there's restrictions in China. You can't just put out whatever you want. It's got to get the blessing from the top down. Okay? They got to they gotta say it's okay first. And somehow, some way, they find some sort of issue with the game as it stands. And they can make a decision either to approve it, to, to possibly change it in some fashion, or just pump out your own version of it which is what it seems that this thing is. And this thing looks like an exact what it, it replica. Looks exactly the same. Some sort of exact replica. So it makes you wonder, what exactly did they change that made this acceptable and PUBG not? Maybe there's no blood when they shoot each other. I'm not sure. Because the game itself and the mechanics and whatnot looks like a one-to-one -one rip of PUBG. It's, it's, it's an amazing time. It's like, first of all, the idea of mobile gaming uh, occupying a position of this much significance to even be talked about in this way. Like, Will, if you go back to the original article, it has a number there. PUBG Mobile 
has 70 million average daily active users in China. 70 million daily active logging on every day. We expect Game for Peace could potentially generate 8 billion won to 10 billion won, which is 1.18 billion to 1.48 billion USD in annual revenue. One game, one mobile game. Like this is the wild thing that's going on right now. And mobile devices have enabled this, this degree of gameplay that's just unprecedented. It's in your pocket. Now you're signing in 70 million people daily. So Tencent shares are up because of what this uh, uh, mobile game, Game for Peace, is going to be capable of. They know it's going to be able to generate the revenue because they see the PUBG users and they say, okay, you can't have PUBG, you have this instead. So maybe there's more to it. There usually is, usually more to these stories. And of course, the differences between the two games would require some pretty intensive investigation if those differences exist. But also, there's a, there's a potential that all this is is a straight rip, Willie do. That's a possibility as well. So it's quite confusing. What do I think? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I don't like the idea of access being taken away from people. That kind of bothers me a little bit, like that the rest of the world gets to experience one reality and then people in China have this other uh, situation in which they just can't grab that game. But it's a different, it's a different situation, man. You can't always compare apples to apples, even when you want to. You have your own experience. You have your own life. And you see things happen around you. And so your point of view is shaped in that manner. Maybe people there feel like PUBG as it stands is destructive in some way. And uh, maybe, maybe these alterations are better for that community. That community knows better than I would. If you're in China right now watching this. I mean, if you're in China, you can't even watch this on YouTube. Not, not easily. But you actually can download this as a podcast in audio form from iTunes if you're in China. It's kind of crazy because I was looking at the analytics and I, and I saw that there's Chinese listeners. And so I think that's kind of cool. And, and just right there in that exchange, you recognize that since Apple Podcasts has approval, now I'm interacting with people. Because they have the blessing, at least on that platform. YouTube, on the other hand, no. And the, the relationship between YouTube and China, it's a whole different story because it's a two-way thing. Google ain't too happy with them. They are not too happy with Google as it stands today. But what I like is people, Will. I like people. Human beings. Huge fan. And so when I can communicate, when I can talk, when we can sit down, I'm into it. And so access is what allows that, whether we're talking about YouTube or podcasts or video games. It's this free-flowing communication that allows things like this to exist. And if I was never granted the opportunity on a platform like this, none of this is going on right now. So that's access. And so all you hope and wish is that, is that others around the world get that opportunity. That's, that's my take on that. Jack, you had something you want to talk about, right? What was your uh, hot topic today? 
Oh, he's got a story about Elon Musk. Elon Musk is going to court, apparently. And it's, it's not his first time, man. He's, uh, he's had some pretty expensive tweets. I remember he had the one about uh, relating to Tesla going private. And he got sued for that. The SEC, it was a huge, I mean, he, he, he lost the CEO status because of it, I guess. But you got to appreciate the guys out there <laughs> saying whatever he wants, which is like not a lot of CEOs doing that. Not, not a lot of CEOs on Twitter just talking like human beings at all. But the problem with that is the restrictions on individuals in these positions, it's just different, especially publicly traded companies. But the story Jack's talking about, low battery, the story Jack's talking about is uh, in relationship to comments that Elon Musk made back when that situation was going on with the cave diving where those, those kids got trapped. Let's just do a quick, a quick recap here. Uh, does it say anything in here about the actual event? Let's see here. It was in Thailand. That's right. Okay. So there's, there was a, this soccer team, young, young kids, soccer team, Thailand. Soccer tournament, possibly. Who knows? And they go on this excursion. We're just doing a recap. I know you know the story, but we're doing a recap. They go on this excursion, kind of a team bonding experience. You explore these caves. And interestingly enough, uh, my brother did almost something identical. He did something identical up in northern Ontario with one of his hockey teams growing up. They did a cave exploration thing. Now, they did not end up underwater. Theirs went fine. But it's like a common thing. It's a good thing to do with a team because you're trying to showcase we help each other, we trust each other, and all that stuff. It's cool. Anyway, they go down there, and it doesn't go so well. They, uh, they head down into those caves, and they get trapped because some water comes in, and it blocks their exit. And they're running out of oxygen down there. I mean, it was, it was intense. It was bad news. And there was, there was kind of this conversation happening on Twitter at the time around, like, how can we get to these kids? Is there a way to save them? And people had some crazy ideas, uh, some, some of them feasible, others not. I'm not an expert in this territory myself. So, I mean, it was cool to see at the time. Elon Musk, specifically being the kind of Tesla inventor type, came up with some contraption where he thought, okay, this could be useful. You got to send down this kind of submarine type deal. The Elon Musk rescue submarine. And this other dude, this diver in Thailand, who was prepared to go down there, and he had been kind of trying to help in a more traditional diving uh, method, he was offended by Elon Musk's invention with the little submarine. He said, that it was just a, a little hype train for Elon to ride on. That was this guy's take. That's not my take. That was his take. He was like, oh, you're just putting this out there to, to kind of attach yourself to the story, to, to up your cool factor. And Elon didn't like that too much. So he responds, 
with some uh, derogatory terms for this particular diver that was aiming to help. Anyhow, these terms are not very nice. I'm not going to say them myself. But the consequence is the guy sues Elon Musk and they're actually going to trial. He sues him for defamation, I assume. And the dude, that guy actually went on. I should probably say his name. I don't know. What's his name? Is it in there? Vernon Unsworth. He actually goes in there and saves the kids after it's all said and done, or at least contributes in some way. He dives in there and uh, and helps them escape. So anyway, they're going to court, and this guy's going to want a billion dollars. I, I don't don't mark my words on that one, but obviously you're suing a, a big dog in Elon Musk. He's going to want a billion. I'm sure he'll settle for a million. But it's a weird case. He said what he said. Did he have did, did he have evidence to say what he said? I don't know. It's all it's all very intense. And I guess it's kind of unfortunate. I don't know. It's kind of weird that they're beefing over this terminology when it was really a feel good story. And you don't get too many feel good stories. Like it's a lot of tragedy today in in this day and age. It, there are bad things that happen and they get tons of coverage. Here you have a story where the kids made it out. And yet, here's the residual effect. is We're left with some bickering. Now, I'm sure Elon doesn't want to go to court, but this guy, he's dead set on it. So uh, we'll follow up on this. We'll follow this story. It's interesting. You know what the lesson is? The, the, the louder your voice, the more responsibility that comes with it. If you got people listening to you, then you gotta you gotta consider what what your what what comes out. You gotta consider how far and wide that broadcast is gonna. I think sometimes on Twitter it's tempting. It's tempting. Same time, there's an argument in the other direction, which is like, well, who is real these days? If everybody's kind of censoring what they're saying, where do we get the real conversation? So there's that piece of it too, and I can appreciate that. And I truly appreciate that about Elon Musk specifically. He gets out there and he talks, man. Where everyone else is busy being careful, he talks. And so this type of stuff is bound to happen at times. You're going you're gonna to have a couple of missteps here and there. Elon Musk on, on Rogan. Perfect example, Will, that you just brought up. He went on there. He just had at it. Like, it's not easy. I've been on Rogan's podcast a few times and you go in there and you talk for hours and Elon didn't back down. He's a big time CEO and he, he talked in, a, in an organic, in a natural fashion. He just talked like a regular guy and you got to appreciate that. It's very cool. So we'll see how this pans out. Hopefully they come. Hopefully they can shake hands and come to an agreement. You know, a little bit of bickering back and forth. It's not the end of the world. Hopefully you just shake hands and you say, you know what? Let's move on. It's a feel-good story. Let's move on. That's what I think. You got anything else, Willie? Do How about any questions? Yeah, let's do a question. Let's do some questions. Hey, gentlemen, do you think smartphone cameras will replace standard professional cameras with time? Absolutely. This is a no-brainer right here. It's... Uh, we're all camera people in this studio, for example. I came up on that. I wouldn't have this channel if I wasn't obsessed with cameras at one point in my life. 
Now I rarely reach for an actual camera. Oh, we're going, we're going down memory lane. Type in Nikon D70. We're going down memory lane. Willie just bringing it up. This is one of my first digital cameras. It was one of the first digital SLR cameras that shot video reasonably well and gave you a shallow depth of field inside of a package you could afford as a regular human being. And so I took out this D70 uh, on the very first Nuit Blanche downtown in the city. This is a night, it's a celebration kind of art show thing where the whole city stays up all night and different venues that would typically be closed, they stay open. And so I shot a bunch of like low light stuff and I was just consumed by the idea of a shallow depth of field because that's how cool that was at the time. You couldn't get it. Never mind on a Pixel phone like you, Willie do. You had to have this thing and this was tiny in comparison to what you would have had to carry around previously to get that shallow depth of field effect. There were problems. Maximum clip sizes, uh, overheating. It was so bizarre. Rolling shutter. Kirk knows what I'm talking about. It was a lot to overcome, but it was cool to experiment with. And it's kind of the precursor for this whole channel taking shape. So I'm a camera guy, but that doesn't mean I'm unrealistic. It doesn't mean I'm not paying attention. It doesn't mean I'm not looking at what's going on around us. And the real advancement is not so much in camera hardware, it's in camera software, which we talked about in a Pixel 3a unboxing video. And so... We're going to continue to progress towards this computational photography stuff. And what that means is not just smartphones as cameras. What it means is increasingly that the AI or that the software itself is going to determine what your photos even look like. I'm going to take a picture of Willie Do and I'm going to get the moon instead. Do you know what I mean? His head is going to be the moon because Huawei is just going to decide that's a better Willie Do. With a moon head. So I'm exaggerating. I'm having fun right now. It's just a little joke. But night mode is a great example. Willie Do just brought up night mode. It's another great example of how your camera is better than you are when it's when it's engaging with the with the software, with the algorithms, with the knowledge base. It's better than you are. It just knows it can make better guesses. And we're going to continue to see superimposing and bigger data sets and God knows what our photo. We're going to look better than we actually look. Things are going to look better than they actually look. We're just, we're at the very beginning of this particular, this thing. It seems like it's advanced and mature. It seems like, oh, what do you mean? Smartphone cameras. Yeah, of course. We're all doing it already. But we're still, when this Pixel came out and of course what Apple's doing on the, on the most recent iPhone, Huawei, we already talked about. Where this can go is actually bananas. So yes, regular cameras are over. In circumstances like this, like for a show like this, they still serve a purpose, but their importance and significance continues to shrink by the day. I promise you. We'll take one more question, Will. What do you got? Thought-provoking question in the subject. What if it's not? What if I read it and my thoughts are not provoked? Oh, it's thought-provoking. All right. Lou, Willie do hilly who? I love that. You see that connection right there? That's the real deal. And friends. That's Kirk and that's you, Jack. You guys are friends. What would it take for you to shave your beard? 
Would you be able to properly review phones without the beard hair? Absolutely not. Could you maintain the respect of the Unbox Therapy crew? Absolutely not. Nor the respect of the human race. In fact, that's how important this beard has become. No, I mean, I don't care. I've shaved it before. It's just, it's a whole thing, you know? I mean, I have had a beard since, like, high school. But it's been different lengths over the years. And I sort of just zeroed in on, on, on the kind of trim. Because once you go all the way down, once you go to a complete shave, it's a different, you're in a different zone. Now, the hair, it's got to break through the skin from scratch again because you shaved it below the surface. So now, if you got sensitive skin, it's a whole thing. Now, if you shave all the time fully, you, your skin's going to adjust. You know what I'm saying? The, the shadow, the Homer Simpson, you just get the shadow, you're set. Dollar Shave Club style. I'm sure many people in the audience. They got, a, they got a real job on like this. They got a proper job. They shave. Probably look great. Probably smell good. You know? And they shave every day, so it's a habit. But I'm telling you, if you're going to do it infrequently, the trim is a much safer, less irritating bet. And the side effect is the beard test on the selfie cameras, which is actually... I mean, Unbox Therapy, it's, it's probably the only reason we've had any success at all. The beard hair test. It's a real differentiating factor. <laughs> Just type Lou Beard. Oh, yeah, Lou Beard, Unbox Therapy Beard. Type that in. Oh, this guy actually did Unbox Therapy Beard Style. He did a video trying to get my beard style. Wow, that's really strange. Looks pretty good. Does look kind of like mine. That I didn't know that existed. Anyhow, uh, it's helpful. It just becomes you, doesn't it? Like I don't know. I don't know how you get a, a land on a look or whatever. But it does have that wonderful side benefit of offering great detail for the selfie test, and it's what I look for. It helps actually also to kind of flesh out beauty modes click on the beauty mode photo right there because what happens with the beauty modes before you see it in the complexion you can see it in the beard hair where you can no longer identify individual beard hairs if you look closer you can look for pores and not see those because it softens you up but i always notice like a photorealistic camera sample by starting with the beard itself and if you look at this sample that will's will's showing right i know some of you are just listening but if if you want to go check out what I'm talking about in the video, Will's showing a sample here of photo taken on an iPhone 10 compared to a 10s, where I was suggesting once upon a time that there was some sort of processing or smoothing going on. And immediately you can tell that each beard hair is far less distinctive on a beautiful version of me. So... Yeah, I don't, to answer your question, I don't think I can shave it because it's too useful at this point in time. I do it for you. Who knows? I mean, I could be Clark Kent. I could be Superman if I shave this, but I don't because I do it for, I do it for you. See, I look into that lens. I do it for you. Yeah, you. Also you. Willie Do, it's been beautiful. It's been wonderful. I'm happy to be back. 
I there's a new I have a new arm. I can do this. I can move back. I can move forward. And I'm feeling I'm feeling good about it. Good. There's a lot to come. We've only scratched the surface. But that's a good thing. Because it gives us a lot more room to scratch. You can cut there. 